Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, the first Terrace podcast, uh, or the first proper Terrace podcast of 2023. My name's Craig Anderson and I'm joined by Amy Canavan. Hi Craig, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And Tom Watt, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you both. It is only the 3rd of January, so I think it's acceptable to say Happy New Year. When does it end? When does it end? I get nervous because we used to do it at school, so that was it. And then, like, well, uni, we never went back to uni until, like, February, so that didn't really count. But, like, it's a socially awkward thing, I think. I don't know when when do I stop saying it. It, It's weird. I had had quite a low-key New Year, so I was at the football yesterday, and a couple of people um, said, you know, Happy New Year, and I I almost forgot it was New Year. Um, So (laughs) it was uh, was interesting. Day two is fine. Yeah, day three, also fine. Obviously, you've got about a week. Um, yeah, I think you've got 10 days unless there are people that you've not seen in a really long time who you've stayed in touch with. I think you're you're allowed like statute of limitations. March. Ended. You're allowed into <laughs> March. Yeah. After Chinese New Year, then I think you're, we're, in a, we're in all sorts of New Year issues. Then, uh, But yeah, I think generally this week, next week, absolutely fine. So, Tom, Amy, Tom, I'll ask you first, how was your, how was your festive break? How did you enjoy it? I mean, football aside for you, Tom. Well, for, for <laughs> football aside, football, yeah, let's, let's, we'll come on to that. Um, no, good. I uh, haven't travelled too far. Um, I also have, I, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to argue with anyone that I have the worst birthday in the world on the 30th of December because oh. everyone's, yeah, everyone's kind of, partied out and wants to hold off <laughs> until the, the 31st um but it was good it was good um and this year was good and as as you get older and don't want to hit it quite so hard you can have something quite civilized on your birthday so yeah christmas was good with family and uh got got a couple of times out with with friends good birthday santa was good to me and uh new year's been good just ready to go back to work now. <laughs> what about you, Amy? I had an absolutely terrific time. I didn't think that I would because I thought like I was working quite a lot and this is like my first proper Christmas, like not of uni and that. So I was a bit concerned because of working so much, but oh, I've had an absolute blast with a great new year in particular. Um, 
absolutely still hungover. Should not have went to work yesterday. Um, but it was it was brilliant. I done Bongo's Bingo for Christmas. Uh, for New Year's Eve, sorry. Um I've done it a few times, and if you've not, I highly recommend it. It's just like it's just drunk bingo and it's tremendous. I advocate it all the time. Um and for the booked up St. Patrick's weekend, so cannot wait. Oh yeah, now so your you, your youth is is showing there, Amy, because uh, absolutely my my, my, my new year was the two of us sitting on the couch with a two year old sleeping upstairs. So yeah, you're kind of restricted at that point. We uh, funnily sounds enough, you, peaceful though. It was nice, but funnily enough, you don't have lots of people volunteering to to babysit on uh, on Hogmanay. <laughs> so um, yeah, but no, it was, it was fine. But I, I was saying to Tom just before we came on that. Um, I've had four trips to Ayrshire in total um, over the Christmas and New Year period, so you can imagine I'm uh, I'm I'm quite glad we've got a few. I think Kelly's Kelly's mostly playing in Glasgow for the next little while, and that suits me fine because um, it's uh, yeah two for the football and two for family, and um, I enjoyed three of the four, um, and we'll talk about the fourth one. Uh, we'll talk about the fourth one soon. And that does bring us to the football. Um, obviously, the the week the first. The 2nd of January, the New Year matches, um, obviously the, the big derby match that everyone wants to talk about, the the kind of more dominant team in the city trying to pull away further from, from the little team. And they managed it. It was uh, Heart of Midlothian 3, Hibernian now. <laughs> um, so I didn't really expect any other result other than the fact that it was an Edinburgh derby and, and you never quite know, but Hibs, Hibs just seem like they're in a, a bit of a mess at the moment. They are one of the worst clubs uh, on on a run right now. It is remarkable. Um, they do not play good football at all. Um, I'm totally with you, Craig. That I didn't see anything other than a, a resounding Hearts victory. Um, they just cannot play well. You know, it's their forward line in particular. I think it speaks volumes when Eli Ewan's probably their most creative attacking outlet and looks the most likely to score because I think that's a real worry. Um, I think he's one of the worst players I've seen in front of goal. Um, and, and he probably looked like their, their, their best sort of chance of scoring against Hearts. But they're just, even with their mountain of injuries, Hearts, and which just seems to, just when it seems to almost lessen the load, then it just gets chucked on again um, they're still streets and streets ahead um, and I think it'll take a long time until Hibs can sort of get anywhere near back to, to being within them because you know Hearts didn't even need to play exceptional against Hibs you know, and I don't think they were but the, the scoreline speaks volumes um, and, and yeah Hibs are, Hibs are in deep trouble I think the, 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 the most the most damning thing about it uh, for me, is that, that Lee Johnson after the game was you know suggested you know they've still got like lots of work to do in the January window. That five of the players that started are his signings. They signed sixteen players in the summer, like and yeah, there's there's injuries and but five of the players that started were were his signings. Aid McGeady came off uh, McGeady came off the bench. Uh, it was one of his signings, at least nominally one of his signings, and they look they look a lot worse than they did. They look a lot worse than they did a year ago, and they looked in a mess a year ago. Um, and it doesn't look like there's going to be an easy fix. Like uh, Paul Hamlin looks like he's running out of puff. They can't keep relying on on Stevenson. Brian Portis is off. Whether that's next month or, or 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 at the end of the season, and it looks like what they've got left just is ha- like being held together with bits of string. Um, the, the the opening goal was comical, like just 
I mean, I and I actually have, you know, in the in the predictor, I had that it would be a draw because the one thing, uh, as Hearts have been the more dominant club, largely over the the last decade or so, um, the one thing Hibs have always been able to do is, or the one thing the Edinburgh Derby has always managed to serve up is absolute tedium. Um, so normally they like kind of like in an Edinburgh Derby, if it's televised, especially it's it's a no, horrendous no. horrendous you know for to all intents and purposes there should be great stories there should be pitched battles and all and there never is and it's usually awful so i thought you know the one thing that they've always had going for them is even when it's been a bad run is being able to kill the game but if you start like this and and what on earth um william fish is trying to do twice <laughs> it's, um, it's just baffling it's, uh, like it's a it's a, a terrible attempt at clearance and then a terrible attempt at shepherding the ball out for a goal kick when you know it's a good ten yards for the balls out and there are two players closing him down and and it didn't get much better after that. I just think there's this there's that something in my head that's always like two never make two errors if you make a mistake and you get away with it just fuck the ball up the park don't <laughs> give yourself the opportunity because they do like errors breed errors I think that's pretty common in football and. When you've got away with kind of yeah the kind of slackness to begin with, uh, anywhere stick it for a throw in whatever you have to do because you're just creating an opportunity and especially when it's Cammy Devlin who's chasing you down the most terrier a man a man so terrier like he was able to um, essentially steal a football shirt off Lionel Messi that is uh, that is uh, not the player that you want um, to be kind of taking chances with in that situation but. It's funny because there's always that sense of foreboding on sports scene when you watch the highlights of a game where you know that a goal's coming because it almost like the the clip starts a little bit further back than it does for a shot. They always add, they always give you an extra five seconds of build up. So so you've kind of got that sense because the ball's in a nowhere position and you're like, hold on, I know this game's three now. How on earth are how on earth are Hart scoring from here? And it's Cadden Cadden passes it back to Fisher. I don't really want to put too much blame on Cadden because it's it's not. Not exactly an inspiring pass, but Fish has got plenty of options, and he just kind of keeps making it worse and worse for himself. And then, and then David Marshall doesn't cover himself in glory either, um, with the ball across, and then, and then that that sets the scene for the game. I would say it's just a downward spiral from there, isn't it? You know, um, and I think it was probably a downward spiral when you saw Will Fish and Harry McCurdy sort of named in the side. It was sort of like, oh, what's, what is going on here? Um, why now? Sort of thing for for them both, really. Um, and I think even pre-match, the fact that Lee Johnson came out and said that, he certainly said it to the, the BBC, um, that that was his line that Harry McCurdy is either going to score a goal or get is either going to score the winner or get sent off. Like, what sort of message are you sending pre-match here, sir? Um, so, like, I, I, it's just it's a little bit of a comedy right now, isn't it? And if like, yes, the three 0 victory is absolutely tremendous if you're a Hearts fan, but I think just I've been there with Rangers. It's just tremendous to laugh at your your dreadful opposition. You know, like because it's just that I think there's a there's a real laughing stock element. It just seems to keep trudging on the more and more that Hibs play. Even they don't even need to play because Lee Johnson's always in the press. I, the, the man has always, always, always um, got a headline coming out. So, aye, it's it, it's it's non-stop. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And Hearts are very quietly building up a very long unbeaten run against Hibs. I think that's eight matches now, and they obviously play each other in, in a few weeks in the, in the cup as well. Suddenly, you know, I think it's the famous 21 or however many in a row that they had in the in the 90s. You're like, you're, you're creeping towards that that territory like before you know it. And yeah, it, it, the the third goal, well, I mean, we'll talk about the second one as well, but the, the third goal kind of sums it up as well because it's like you're, you're talking about Hanlon and Stevenson creaking with age and, and, and none more so than in that kind of moment where David Marshall's like, Almost staying on his line because he's. I think David Marshall just thinks, well, there's no danger here. Um, two players, the two defenders in front of him. It's fine. He's running right down the middle of with the a combined age of 190. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you're just thinking right, and then all of a sudden Humphreys emerges with the ball, and Marshall is like still like two yards from his line. So it's like the opposite of narrowing the angle. It's like widening the angle as much as possible. It's like just just pick a part of the goal to stick it into. It's um, like the, the, there's like a Bermuda Triangle of like <laughs> a, a lack of pace. Like they're they're like they're operating at a completely different speed, while Humphreys is on like two and a half times pace. It's wild. And and that second goal is. Um, <laughs> it's the type of thing we've got. We've got to not not that the, the, the correct decisions were made in both cases, but it's two like absolute fiascos of far where it's like the like decisions are like so unclear as to what's happening. Because I know we had um, we had people who were at the game on on our on our WhatsApp kind of unsure about why a penalty had been why a penalty had been given and not the goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, yes, it's a handball from Bashiri very clearly. Um, I, I don't actually know why he wasn't sent off. Um, I can only assume that the deflection from Hamlin might have been taking the ball wide because otherwise it, it looks like a, a straight red as well. But it's that, like, the fact that Sibic scores and it's two, two examples of players scoring goals and then them not being given but still getting penalties. And it's like, uh, it's just weird um, all round. But even at that, that was like a bit of... It kind of summed up Hibs defending with the ball's just pinballing about their box again. It's a running theme as well, though, like that the whole situation, and it's a running theme throughout the games yesterday. That that was what did they end up saying? It's over six minutes, isn't it? The decision, and yes, the right decision um, eventually was like came to, but you have there has to be a better way of communicating that to the fans. To the media as well, I think, because you know you do have, you, know, you might hate that you get coming in, um, like in the I, I've been in the press box with VR, and you you 
exactly like a fan there and they're shouting up to you because they think that you're going to have some sort of insight and you don't like it's it's just this horrible and it is it's a guessing game and it all happens oh so quickly um but for six and a half minutes like i don't know something go and find the microphone and just shout over the town and look this is what's happening um because as you say like within the within the group chat like there's so many things there and and it's a it's a special circumstance because you're like, right, there has been a goal, so why is that not just happening? You know, it's not, um, you're like, oh, we're get, almost getting punished for that. So it, it's a confusing one. And I I, th- I watched the the verdict, um, and Stuart Dougal sort of say that that is probably the perfect scenario for any budding referee to watch because it does have absolutely everything in it. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Or if it is, then it has to be communicated better because, like, no decision should be taken six and a half minutes to get made, surely. I think there's there's another there's another layer to it as well where like we, there's got to be an education job as to why things are given so that fans can understand what what's and I mean we have we've had VAR introduced and we've had a raft of new little tweaks to the rules and fairly significant tweaks to the rules so you know you you could be you could have understood the the handball rules for the best part of 20 years and they've changed whether or not for the better or not but it's not there's the we're not we don't have a, enough live versions of what's happening to understand what it is that's ha- and this wasn't even the most confusing bar decision of the weekend absolutely there was not. All, all things going on there i mean there's there's one that we will come on to that i'm still not entirely sure why there was a why there the um there was a a, a, a another VAR intervention, but yeah, I don't want to focus too much on the VAR side of things. It's more on the the rules. And as a fan, you can't have six minutes of not knowing why not being given. Like six, if you get six minutes of injury time, that's a huge amount of injury time in a normal amount of game to sit around uh, waiting, just figuring out what the the referee has to analyse effectively three different, phases of play is, is madness. Can we, we, can, we can talk about all that, but I still don't have a, a slightest clue what Kevin Clancy gave either, because he, he gave a free kick to Hibs. Um, <laughs> so there's that, there's that element as well. But um, yeah, yeah, moving on from that, is there anything to add on this game? Um, I think I think Hibs are in, in deep bother at the moment. I think their January business, they, they can they can sit down and say, oh yeah, well, we need to get a window. But as you said, Tom, they signed 15 players or 16 players in, uh, in the summer and it made their squad worse. So maybe another 15 is not what they need. They're obviously I mean, sticking, I, yeah, on, on you go, Tom. I, I think just very, very briefly to pick up on that, I think the problem, the biggest problem they've got is that Lee Johnson's absolutely right. They do need bodies. But if you were to ask 100 Hibs fans, what position they needed most, you would get all sorts of different positions. They desperately need, like, uh, with the exception of a goalkeeper, they need, uh, they they need reinforcements at back at the back. Even without Ryan Portis going out, that midfield needs major surgery. It's desperately one-dimensional, um, and the the without Martin Boyle, the the attacks in all sorts of bother. There isn't the width that there should have been. I mean, with the exception, probably with the exception of Cadden and Marshall, I think, and like Joe Newell, if they're playing okay, has had some decent games. I don't think they're... I, I think the one kind thing you could say is at the moment, um, if Hibs wanted to go out into the transfer market, they could quite easily find upgrades for most of the squad. 
But I'm not sure Lee Johnson knows how he wants to play. I'm not sure he knows what formation he wants to play. I'm not sure he knows how to use the uh, players he's got at his disposal. So I'm not quite sure how he's going to go out and identify the ones that are clearly needed without going and doing another huge shopping uh, spree and bringing in another six or seven. I just want to, we have to just go and work out who's who's available at Rainbow FC because that's the... <laughs> right, we, we will move on to, to the other big derby match of the weekend uh, in Glasgow. This time, Rangers 2, Celtic 2. A, a very entertaining match, I would say, on, on Saturday. or I keep saying Saturday, it wasn't. It was Monday lunchtime. <laughs> uh, I watched it on the train down to our game and, and yeah, I thought um, probably in, in balance the correct result in terms of the... Both teams had about 45 minutes whether they were the better team, but um, it, it was an interesting way that I, I, I arrived there. And I think Rangers will be bitterly disappointed that they didn't cling on. They kind of, basically, the substitutions changed the game in that Rangers got worse because they don't have a very good squad and Celtic were able to bring on a couple of guys that, that really impacted and changed the game. And fundamentally, that's why Celtic are, are nine points clear at the top and it's why they will probably win the league. Um, so yeah, what what did you make of it, Amy? Yeah, I think it's um, I think you're spot on. I think Rangers have to be bitterly disappointed. I certainly would be. I think it was a great point for Celtic to get given the performance. I don't think Celtic were anywhere near their best. Um, it was one of the very few times domestically that I feel um that an Andrew side sort of looked a little bit confused. Um, I felt there were spells, especially those six seven minutes after the the, the half time. That was just a, a totally lost Celtic side, and that's very. Rare Europe absolutely see that all the time, um, but on the domestic front, that that's pretty rare. Um, it's interesting you say that about substitutions, but I think Greg Taylor going off was massive. That's you know, Josip Juranovic yeah. was absolutely atrocious, um, and I was advocating for him to start. I um, was a bit surprised that Alistair Johnson started instead, but you can understand why. Um, because he looked like a, a, a rabbit in headlights, really. So he, he made Sakala look almost like a Ballon d'Or winner, um, which he is uh, certainly is not. But yeah, for, for Celtic to be able to come away with a point, I think, speaks volumes of um, just sort of the, the character and the mentality that they can play nowhere near their best and still come away from eyebrows with a point. Um, because Rangers, yeah, for, for large spells, probably from about 35th minute up until, probably up until, until the end of the game, really, when Celtic scored it was um I don't think you could necessarily think that it was coming. Um I think there was a few odd selections that you do have a bad on the bench. I'd had him in from the off and absolutely being able to call on them is is great. But um yeah, not starting Jota. I wouldn't mind his starting Yakamakis either because I think in these sort of games he thrives. Um bullying defenders. Um but no, all in all, it's a tremendous point to take. I'd have taken a point beforehand, absolutely, because I think Rangers needed a win because nine points is a huge gap, especially when, you know, okay, maybe yesterday aside, Celtic are pretty relentless um, anywhere else trying to be able to carve out a win even when they're not at um, any sort of scintillating best, as Tom will know. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just thought, I, I thought... I thought there were shades um, after halftime, especially of the game at Tynecastle for Celtic, where Hearts just, just ran around and just harried and pressed everything. And Rangers did the same. The the, the running from Rangers was was really impressive. And even Morelos, for, for the size of him, was quite heavily involved in that press. Because, um, I mean, he is badly out of shape, but I thought he had a good game um, 
two major ends. Well, a, a really bad pass for the opening goal and a terrible miss aside. Um, the, the two things you don't want him to do. Um, but I thought he had a good game and I thought like Sakala running, um, you're right about Juranovic. He, he's played left back before, but you'd have, he thought has. It was, you'd have thought it was the first time he'd ever been asked to play the position. Um, I know, I know um, Taylor's always going to be a hard, a hard replacement in that side. It wasn't helped. I think you see the importance of the fullbacks in that Postacogli team because I think Johnston, for me, I, I don't want to judge him too harshly, but he didn't look, he, he didn't look up to that game. I mean, in fair enough, it's your debut, and and you're coming from a much a league where there's a lot of running about certainly, but there's there's probably well there's not there's not the same pressure on any football match in MLS because it's like like half the teams get into the playoffs. It's like there's almost no consequences to any individual game of football in that league and he yeah I'm not going to judge him but he kind of had those vibes of a guy who was kind of my thought when when Celtic signed him was oh he'd have been a good signing for Hearts um and we'll wait and see whether that's uh, that's how it turns out but um the yeah, you saw how important the fullbacks can be to Celtic because it didn't really offer anything down the flanks it left the wingers kind of not being able to um, imp- impact the game as much because they were kind of having to cover the wide areas. And all of that was, yeah, because when the game started, you thought of oh, Celtic are just going to steamroller Rangers here. The, the way, yeah. Obviously, they go 1-0 up and they've done it so often. And then it wasn't to me until Aaron Moy, not, not a player I'm a massive fan of, but when he came on, I thought he really controlled the remainder of the game and and it wasn't surprising he was heavily involved in the um, in equaliser. I thought I thought he was really impressive um, when he came on, and he was obviously very impressive against Hibs as well. But I think you make a good point about Johnston, um, and almost that because I'll be honest, I, yes, he was a shock, but so too was Forrest being named in the starting lineup. But I think that that was almost right. If you're starting Johnston, you've got to have the experience, the Forrest almost, and he is more defensively minded than any other winger. Um, basically, because he's not as quick getting forward now, so he's always going to sort of be um, liaising around. But I, Forrest has a ridiculously poor record against Rangers, personally. I think he's got two goals, and he only came in the last... Uh, he certainly scored under Neil Lennon, um, and I think he scored under Brendan Rodgers in the 5-0 against Graham Murty. I think that was his first goal, um, the policeman hat on Lustig's head. But other than that, he, he's played you know 25 games or something against Rangers and only two goals. He is... And Ibrox, he's atrocious. It's almost just like he just can't handle it. Um, but so I think I think that was a, a weird one. But it almost had to be like if you're starting Johnson, the 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 caveat is that you have to start Forrest as well. But it just sort of slowed play down a bit. Um, Matt O'Reilly looked really ineffective as well, and I, I felt he was quite in, he's been quite ineffective probably since we came back from the break, which is a little bit worrying. It's almost um, I was saying this to my dad earlier. I think he's remarkably not scored yet for Celtic this season, and I think that's almost like playing in his mind. He's you know he's still I don't know he's something that he's certainly in the top five assists in the league, um, but he, he's not scored himself, and it's almost that that is like ticking away um, and playing on him a little bit. But he didn't look anything um, like what he can produce and as you say when Adam Moy came on and just sort of implemented this control um, that and, and even that sort of attacking source that you wouldn't really sort of um, associate with him but I, I think other than Juranovic yeah the, the substitutions did make make a big difference and Celtic squad is still largely 
ridiculously better than anyone else's in the division. So um, I think it's more credit to Rangers that they did manage to tail Celtic back for so long. But I think it has to overridingly be disappointment that um, we weren't able to see it out. I think the, the, the biggest difference between the two teams is that Celtic know how to control a game and know what and were even when they went even when they went behind and there was that kind of 20 minute period where they looked rattled as soon as Rangers went ahead they didn't know what to do next so like and I think that's although Beals had a good start in terms of the amount of uh, in terms of results that he's had they've been kind of feeling their way into games and you you know that they're always going to have this they've always got talent they've got this like blitzkrieg ability that they can go and smash teams uh, but to be able to manage a game over 90 minutes and win comfortably 1-0 just because there's no other you know because there's not another chance that, that comes along and I think that's been the difference between the two teams so far uh, this season because if you can't manage a game, you're always going to drop points late on. You're you're going to be comfortable throughout a game and then suddenly discover that you've lost. Um, Celtic were ahead and for most of the first half were pretty comfortable. Rangers came out all guns blazing and we, we know they've got that in them and I think it's always possible that you're going to have those kind of games and those kind of momentum shifts in it. But from the point that they, from that point when they, they decided right, we're, we're going to have to protect this, and threw on subs, it almost surrendered. The, it surrendered the momentum that they had and the fright that Celtic had got because they really did look like they'd had a fright. And like you've mentioned, Sakala is probably the other than the games he has against Motherwell, where he always seems to be unbelievably good. Um, it's it was the best game or the best. 20-minute period I've ever seen him him having a Rangers shirt. But at the point that the um straight after the goal, when it's like, right, we we I think we need to consolidate this now. And you know, took on Ryan Jack, took off Morelos, um, took off Tillman later on. And certainly Jack was completely at fault for the for the equalizing goal. And I mean, it wasn't like there was a, a sustained period of Celtic pressure in the lead up to the goal, but you could see their their um, their Rangers defence retreating a bit more. There was less um, there was less space, uh, and it wasn't quite coming. But you could feel the there there was definitely a mistake left in the game. So I think that that that's kind of the big difference, and I think that's why Celtic will win the league. You know, nine points and what twenty goals better off. Um, it's that Celtic will play badly and win a bunch of games this season by a goal. I think there's still plenty of games this season where Rangers will play really well and drop points. Um, and that's the difference between the two teams this season. Anything else on this? Um... No, I don't want to talk about VR. <laughs> we'll move on then. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, not not a lot of goals left to talk about, but we will move on to the only the only other one that had more than one, which was uh, Livingston one, Motherwell one. Talking talking of VAR. Oh um, and, and was this a game you were covering, Amy, at the weekend? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I keep saying the weekend. It wasn't the weekend. It was Monday. Um, again, one of those where, like, fair enough, the decision the decision is absolutely correct with them. Um, well, the decision to give the penalty is correct, I'm not sure, but the decision um, afterwards is correct. But the fact that, again, you're working the game and, and 
basically everyone, it sounded like everyone in the press room was basically having to have a big uh, conversation to try and work out what on earth had happened. Is an issue with communication again, um, and and ultimately, don't let that take away from how terrible both of Nicky Devlin's penalties were. They were atrocious penalties, absolutely. And I just think that you're spot on. I don't personally think and the initial penalty, I feel it's incredibly harsh on Nicky Lamy. And if we didn't have that, then we could have avoided all of this drama that unfolded for the next 10 minutes of just shouting, what the fuck is happening here? Um, because it's it's incredible. And, you know, I get it. Like, as a fan, you're, you're so right um, to be annoyed at, you know the the radio or whatever it is, but nobody has a clue. And like, maybe that's not wise to say that, but it's not that you don't have a clue because you don't understand the rules. You just you don't know what there's. There were so many things because at first we thought it was encroachment. Um, that that's initially what we thought. So I'm in the office. I'm listening to Stephen Craig as well. So you. You're having to take sort of a pinch from him and thinking, right, so he's there. But as, as he said, and, you know, I, I've been both sides. I've been in the press box, sending it back to the office and been in the office sitting going, I don't know what's happening here. Um, because it, it's just all, it is, it's that lack of communication. So there was encroachment. Then somebody thought, okay, maybe Liam Kelly is off his line. But then there was obviously the handball incident sort of bundling in as well um, but you were like right well if Liam Kelly's off he's like that negates really the handball in sort of scenario um, and I think we ended up going with encroachment because that's the last thing that we got told but then I like looking at it because the issue is, is when you get the VR thing through like on the screen you can see both, so you can see the encroachment and you can also see Liam Kelly off his line, but you're not getting told what is getting looked at. You're just seeing that scenario, that VAR angle. So that's obviously, it, the, the handball was absolutely not a part of it. So it, it's more just as you see it, and you, you we, could, we looked at it hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, and I think ultimately, because there's, there's both, there is encroachment and Liam Kelly is off his line, so both are like reasons for a retake so it's absolutely fine but um yeah again it's just the confusion around it in fairness it was a little bit quicker than the harsh um decision of getting made to but i think then it's more just the overriding confusion about how the referee and vr sort of came to that decision and it would be nice i don't i don't know you know it's all going to come down to, to money as well but you know some people get confused. It obviously, it runs from Clydesdale House, so it's not. It's like you know, what I mean, it's not PQ. I don't know if a line could be like fed through or something, but it, it would make all parties a lot happier. I think if there was just a, a greater line of communication throughout. It was something that came up. So, so Joel and I were at, went, went and visited the yeah. facility, and it was something that was asked. And basically, what what the SFR, what the, the referees association basically said was, the SPL felt we need to fund someone to be the. Like the, the, the voice, yeah, yeah, the voice, yeah be because the voice, they're, yeah. they're all obviously the referees are all sitting there actually making the decisions, so there needs to be a, a... stick a mic up, like yeah. fuck the room. <laughs> That'd be interesting. But do we have, a, do we have a celebrity? Susan <laughs> 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 Coleman is Special the voice. Yes, oh, amazing! <laughs> oh, that would be tremendous. Michelle McManus. <laughs> yes, but it's, it's interesting you say that, because I still thought the reason it was given, which points to everything, I still thought the reason it was given was because it did come off Devlin's arm on the way in, and I thought that's like you can't score a goal with your arm. So, but if Kelly's off his line beforehand, then it, I think like... I think it's like in that order. It's like the. Kelly's off his line, but if Devlin scores a legal goal, it's a goal. But because his goal's also not legal, 
it's like you go back to the first incident. I don't know. That's that was my take. But anyway, well, I, I think that I, that I, points to what's what's the um, the whole problem because it, it, it was similar to the one um, Rangers v Napoli in the Champions League where the Napoli player scores the rebound, and if he hadn't been encroaching, it's a goal. But because he was the one encroaching, but for me, I could be wrong. But I feel like because it was. Devlin, who got the rebound himself, the encroachment wouldn't matter as much. But I don't know. That's the problem. I don't know. And, and I've, read, I've read two match reports on this, and both have slightly different versions of events. One has apparent encroachment, and uh, one has de- uh, is that for mine? Hand, like clearly for handball. <laughs> well, like, but like, I, I have no idea, and I think that, and that's the problem. It's not the, it's not the decision. It's not the. The, it, it's the lack of clarity even at, so the irony of this is we've got video evidence that we can go back to that we can slow down but we can't actually offer any clarity so uh, we offer less clarity on why the decision is being made than if it was just being made in real time and, and it's yeah as I say what I, what I thought is you you look at the goal Devlin scores but then when you look at the the goal that Devlin scores, it has come off his arm. I don't like that rule because it's clearly not deliberate in any way from Devlin. Absolutely um, not. Like but, it, it, if we're talking about closeness as well, like that's obviously I don't want to touch on it, but the goal someone is obviously protecting his face, so they say, and he's it's not out with his and uh, his natural body shape, so he's keeping everything narrow. So is Devlin. You know, Devlin's not flung an arm out to to throw it into the net, and it's so close. It. But exactly. The, but that's the the rule now is specifically yeah. for a goal. If it hits your arm and goes in, it's not a goal. Can't be can't be given. Which I think I think is a bad rule, but it is the rule. And so I thought then they went well. Okay, the decision should be a free kick to Motherwell, but then because Devlin was off, Kelly was off his line before that, it's like. Well, we go back to a penalty. But anyway, the reason we're... Well, it's a it's a big incident and, or a big moment in the game, but it would have been a bigger moment in the game had um, Livingston not scored maybe not that long after it. And, and that's a really nice goal from from Morgan Boyce, who's kind of made his way into the team recently. I get, I've not I've not watched a full game that he's played in yet, but gallery stuff is doing quite well. Sound, yeah. Um, and it's these defenders that Livingston seem to constantly pluck out of nowhere. I think Boyce has been at the club maybe since the start of the last season. He feels like he's been around for a while, but he's kind of started to break into the team. Um, but I think Motherwell were good value for the point. Um, Van Van Veen was in a one-man kind of um, mission to score a goal um, and, and eventually did so. And they were maybe even unlucky not to win the game. He, he obviously, he hit the bar Um Thought it was a good chance, but you'll you'll be able to tell me a bit bit more than that. But that that was my view on it. No, I, I thought Motherwell were were unlucky to not get the win, um, and I think both managers were sort of aware of that post match as well. Um, and I, I really did feel for Stevie Hamill because having Van Veen back, like obviously came off the bench against Ibrox, and it wasn't exactly great. Um, but I, I felt that was the first time I've seen him in a few weeks actually look like. Kevin Van Veen, who does want to score goals, wants to get into the right positions. Um, and he has something like six shots. Um, and he just he was linking up well. It's a great goal as well. It's a really nice finish. Um, he he's still got a lot to do. I thought Sean Goss was really um good in the middle of the park as well, linking up. But I think over the piece, Motherwell were the better side. But 
like it's a terrible result for them at Tanadice. And that is sort of what makes the magnitude of just this draw even worse because they're in a total relegation scrap now. And I don't know, um, unless Van Veen really starts to get fired in again, I, I don't know where else it's really coming from because as much as I, I was really impressed by uh, Sean Goss, I was impressed by um, Matt Penny as well. That's no surprise because I think he's been one of their better players throughout the season. Um, but there's not a lot else creatively I'm not Blair Spittle's biggest fan um, but he, he was actually okay um, but again it's okay to create but you're asking it it's always it always is coming back to Kevin Van Veen to be to be the one scoring um, so I, I think it was a real opportunity for Motherwell to pick up a well needed win um, and it slipped through the fingers but for, for Livy as well it was a very uncharacteristic Levy performance at home. I think it's been a wee while since they've totally made um, like the Tony Mac a, a proper fortress. Like they're letting they're, they're really scrappy in the middle of the park, and I know they were obviously missing um, Holt and Pittman through 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 suspensions rather. Um, but the, yeah, there was just there was just not like that. No, you, you you sort of sort of came to get used to that with Livy that there's going to be they're not always the most glamorous side to watch, but they know how to get the job done. And I just don't think there was any real um, sort of exhibition of that. So yeah, I think it's definitely two points drop for for Motherwell, and yeah, I, I worry for for them and their their relegation battle now for sure. I think it's like Livy, you're used, you're used to them climbing the table a bit under the radar, but they're sort of slipping down the table under the yeah. radar at the moment. They're like they're only six points ahead of um of of Motherwell now as well. Um, so yeah, it's at the, the at the the middle. And we're going to talk about it with the remaining matches as well. But the middle of the table is really closing up now. Um, Absolutely, and you know I know that there was that slight sort of bid. Could Livy be third? Um, but I think that's signed, sealed, and delivered for Hearts now as well. Well, Sorry, we'll, Tom. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll the defenders on. are dropping like flies. We'll <laughs> three three games and one more goal to talk about, um, and we will move on to the one game which which did have a goal and it and it uh, very nearly didn't. And I've I noticed I've gone all Sky Sports on my notes because I've got St Johnston versus Dundee, but it's of course <gasps> St Johnston v Dundee United. I'll I'll save that for the fact that as I was typing up the the actual list of games, Tom came on the call and I started speaking to him. So maybe that's what happens <laughs> on every single uh, on every single uh, Sky Sports tweet. Someone just comes into the office just as they're about to write the word United. <laughs> um, but but I, I am aware it was Dundee United, and I certainly didn't actually misspeak on air. So I will I will chalk that one up as a victory and. Uh, a, a massive victory for Dundee United, who I think are probably turning a corner. I feel now probably the only thing that will potentially keep Dundee United down is Liam Fox. If if he's not a very good manager, we don't know at the moment, but I think that they're just starting to show their wee bits of quality and a really big win away from home from them. And, and they've they've started digging out those victories. And yeah, um, St Johnston, on the other hand, have had a very poor festive period and um, are, are finding themselves again as everyone has sucked back down into the into the dregs. I mean, there was always a, there, was, there was a feeling a couple of weeks ago that, and despite the fact I really wanted Dundee United to sink without a trace, they have a lot of good players. Well, maybe not a lot, but they have enough good players um, who are much better than those around them. And if Liam Fox could find a way of arranging them in such a way as they were even just the sum of their parts, then 
they would potentially start picking up results. Whereas I kept looking at the league table and going, St. John's are, St. John's are sixth. How? 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 I, like, I, I can't, couldn't remember them putting together uh, results. But, so there maybe was a, or there maybe is a bit of a, a reversion to the level of ability that's available at the squad. I, I must admit, I didn't watch the highlights even of this. I watched the goal. Um, it looked very much uh, um, a, a team that maybe wanted it slightly more and were, one team was quite happy to settle for a point and one team that was pushing forward for it. Um, you know, I, I, Tony Watt has not been a stellar signing for Dundee United. It's not really... I mean, he's never been especially prolific, but it, it, I, I think when he signed, it was a bit. there were a few question marks as, as to where he was going to play and how they were going to get the best out of him. Um, Dundee United haven't had the best out of him yet. But it's a very, very big win for them, um, a very, very important three points. And it does kind of suck the teams uh, immediately above uh, above them back into um, a, a playoff play. Because it did look a couple of weeks ago, from my own selfish perspective, pleasingly like Dundee United were in danger of being uh, cut adrift at the bottom. But they've, they've fought their way back up. It was drab. It was a really, really poor game um, up until the goal. Uh, other than that, there's very, very little to, to to write home about. But it's it's a huge win no matter what. It, it totally encapsulates one of those. It, no performance was needed and it was just sheer points. Because it, I, I agree with Tom, it was, it's sort of been um, like, where is this poor form from St. Johnson sort of came from because prior to the break they were on an incredible run and out of but out of nowhere you were just like this is all just sort of you know there was obviously nearly a, a point nearly a point against Celtic yeah uh, obviously defeated Rangers but they were just sort of ticking away quietly in the background but since the break that they've totally went downhill and not been able to um, sort of find any of or reignite that that form but I, I do think that they'll be fine because of that run I think five six games or something like that they went without a um, or they were on an unbeaten run of, of some sort. Um, but for United, it, I don't know if they're turning a corner, but, you know, Tom's spotting again. The, the players that you look at, you're like, right, there's two, there's at least two real top quality defenders in there. They've got a strong enough midfield and the attacking options that they have at their disposal should certainly be scoring enough goals to keep them in this division um, because th- there is talent there, but it's just getting a tune out of them. Um, and I'm not sure if Liam Fox has necessarily done that yet, um, but I think sooner enough these sort of players should be able to be taken into their own hands as Tony Watt sort of did and be able to to grab something out of nowhere. Um, I know they're, they're sort of going through a bit of a flu influx right now as well. I think that's why Stephen Fletcher was out. So... Um, because again, in recent weeks, I thought, I thought he's actually looked okay um, and, and looked more, at least what you were sort of expecting to be getting from, from Stephen Fletcher. But if Tony Watt can sort of find where he was at a year to 18 months ago, because yeah, he's not hit the heights that he should have done at Dundee United, but um, he, here's hoping for their sake that he certainly can. Yeah, well, well, we'll move on from from that one, and we will normally on the Terrace podcast we have a rule that no no draws come last, but uh, that's impossible um, here because we have two of them. So we will talk about your team first, Tom. We'll talk about Aberdeen now, Ross County now. You were up at Pitodry yesterday, you told me. So it looked to me um, watching watching it back like Aberdeen were probably unfortunate not to win this game. Is that your perspective, or uh, yeah? I mean, yeah. Uh, in terms of at no point did I think Ross County were going to score. Um, uh, 
Kennedy has one off the line in the first half. If that goes in, it pr- probably ends up being three. Um, Besajun has a really good chance late on that's cleared off the line. But the 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 problem was not being able to make a, a not being able to change the course of the game. Like there there was no point where it was like right we're in. No, we're in third gear. We need to up the. Ge- we need to go through the gears. We need to get. Up, um, we need to put more pressure on. We need to do something slightly different. Um, Ross County dealt with everything that was put into the box. Um, aerially, the only times that Aberdeen really got beyond them, broke the lines, was when they they ran at them. So any any time the Duke got the ball in space, um, any time. Ramadani, who actually had a had had a good game, Ramadani and Kennedy, whenever they kind of broke broke beyond from the midfield, um, they got a lot of space and there was there was a bit of a mismatch, but there was never really a, a, a focal point to the attack. There was never any point where it was like wave after wave. And I think the most frustrating thing from uh um like they, you know these these things happen and it was completely dominant performance in terms of possession and chances and um any any measure that you want to have other than other than goals and um, the most frustrating thing from uh, a fan's point of view is that so goodwin starts with a, a 4231 which he said in the summer was kind of his his favored system now he started the season with 4231 or a 433 but but kind of by default came got this back back three that was actually working meant that we got more of our creative players on the pitch at once that seemed to work that seemed to be going all right until I mean really until even the the, the Rangers game it was going fine until the ninety third minute of that um, and. Stuart got sent off against St Mirren, so we uh, were missing him for the um, for the the, uh, the Killy game. So there's a feeling that if, we, if we've, we've kind of got that in our locker, we've got everyone back, why are we not going back to that? There is a reasonable enough argument that if you want to have against the bottom team in the league, Duke, Kennedy, Ramirez and Mayovsky all on the pitch together, then we'll try it. There was nothing wrong with the system. The problem is Ramirez is not a number ten. He is he he didn't have a particularly bad game. He did everything that was asked of him. He put in a shift. He made a couple of tackles, um, but he was meant to be playing behind Mayovsky. And the number of times that McCrory or Coulson um, or or Duke were getting to the byline, putting the ball across the across the goal, but it was going across like eight. 12, 18 yards out and you just wanted somebody like somebody and more natural number 10 to be sitting there and we've got on the bench we've got like so Duke, Duke can play there Clarkson can play there naturally Kennedy can play there naturally Barron can play there uh, Duncan can play there Besedjan can play there I, I push Johnny Hayes could play there so when it wasn't working kind of 70 minutes in the frustration's not that we it's not that you, you we don't change things, it's that we take off we take off Ramirez, we take off Mayovsky, and ended up with no recognizable number nine on the pitch. 
difficult to know what the formation is, difficult to know what the, the system was, and it being balls lumped into the box, really. And the only player that we had, really, that got on the end of anything was uh, was, was Ryan Duncan. Um, so a, lo- a lot of sterile possession, a lot of bad decision-making. I, I mean, I don't think it's as... I, I still think we've got probably the best 11 when everyone's fit outside the old firm. I still think we've got better players than Hearts. Um, I think, like, if you were pick of, of those who are fit and available. Um, but at the moment, Jim Goodwin has not managed to get them playing as a unit since the, since the return of uh, football after the World Cup. I don't think he's even had a game this season where he's made a a, a game changing decision. You know that there's been some very good performances, but when things aren't quite working, to to change it. Now I have no doubt that they'll go into the um, January window and sign a couple of players. Um, the one thing that he has had and he has done well is work with the recruitment team to to identify. I mean, nine of the starters were his players. Um, the the recruitment has been really good. Um, but I don't know who I don't know who it is. Where to? It's almost like the same sort of problem as Hibs have got, but with less of a, a panic about it. But the the obvious. Obviously, um, you could say we, we need a, a right back, but we only really need a right back if Ross McCrory is not the answer. He was fine, um, but he's not a natural right back. He needs to he needs to have a position. He needs to like be a, a regular in one particular position for the rest of his career. It's not at centre back. It might be in midfield. If it's a right back, he's all right at that, but he's he's a jack of all trades at the moment. Um, if we're going to play with a back three, then we need another centre back because we every time we play Celtic, uh, we can't use scales. Um, we're one. Have him. You can have him. Buy him. Have I, him. I would. I would be very happy. I mean, he 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 is he's still quite raw and he's still he's still. I think he, he in a back three we've got a problem with. Stuart wants to just get rid of everything and sometimes he's the one that needs to play football whereas Scales is the one that's actually a footballer and doesn't always want to play that much football um, but it, we, we don't have infinite resources but we've got players on the bench that could theoretically change games uh, and we're we, we haven't found a way of getting them all into the into the same system if, if we're going to be playing a, a this kind of formation for the rest of the season. If we're going to be going back to what Goodwin said with a three or five, however you want to put it, in in the middle, then we're going to need another midfielder. We're going to need somebody to be um, to be anchoring things because Ramadan is very good, but he's still pretty young. He still doesn't know when to sit and when to go, and he's been clearly identified as the sitting player. I think he's a better better all round player than that, and I think we could. We could probably do with, with an improvement um, alongside him, and maybe push Clarkson further up if he's not heading back to Liverpool. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's fundamentally broken, but it's been shocking since since the return after the World Cup. Um, there were a lot of boos at full time, and from the point that Kennedy missed, it did feel a bit like 
Ross County are very happy with the draw. They didn't push anyone on. They didn't, but you know, it was a very good point for them. Um, but I just I don't know what ways we do in January that um gives us the impetus for the for the remainder of the season. Yeah, so that was a, a very good summary, and I don't think we we really have the expertise to add anything else there, Tom. So we will move on to to our subject. I hopefully have a little bit more expertise on, which was uh, Kilmarnock nil, St Mirren nil. Um, <laughs> oh, um, this this was not a, not an interesting game at all. Um, obviously, I mean Kelly will be hugely disappointed not to win the game, given that Ethan Erahon took leave of his senses uh, a matter of minutes into the game. It was so weird because. Um, Probably about a minute before he got sent off, he was kind of making a run in at the midfield and Christian Dodge, being a big lumber and lump, was just chasing back and kind of stumbled over the top of him, like a complete nothing incident. And Erehon, like took real exception to him and got up and squared up to him and all the rest of it. And you kind of thought, that's really weird. And then about, must have been about 60 seconds later, there was a, we had a throw in and I was watching the play and you just heard this, this, shout and I turned round and the red card was out and um, yeah he, he'd obviously I mean Mackenzie makes a lot of it but nonetheless he, he, he does very much put his elbow in, into him and it, it is to me a red card regardless of um, you know you don't have to hit someone hard in the face with your elbow no I it think it is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then from that point on Keller obviously expecting to win the game um, and just didn't do quite enough and, and that's the frustration I think as Excluding excluding the start of the season when it felt like we were finding our feet a little bit, I think in the last 12 games it's four wins, four draws and four defeats and that is not relegation form, that's boring eighth place finish form, which yes. is, um, I mean, what Kelly are, are looking for, but that is a game where if we can win that game, you're really starting to pull away a bit, starting to set a marker down. Next three games are, are Celtic Rangers and Celtic. Um, I mean, okay, one of them's a cup game, but... You're not necessarily expecting much from that, so it would have been really good to pull away, and actually that would have put us in touching distance to top six as well. And to not create that many clear chances, um, Blair Alston had his shot, which was some really nice play in the first half, and then Doidge pulls out a wonderful save from from Carson right at the end, which I, I thought was in personally. Um, but that was that was the sum total of the clear chances Kelly created, and so it was a bit of a frustrating afternoon. At the same time, an enormous credit to St Mirren. I think they are a, they are the absolute worst team you could be playing against in that situation because their back three um, are just all really really good at defending. Uh, you can you can think back to the Celtic game where they where they beat Celtic earlier in the season. Gallagher, I think it was Gallagher, Fraser, and um, Dunn that day as well, who were the back three, and they just would not let anything pass. And they got deeper and deeper. And sometimes when a team sits deep, it creates um, you know openings in front of them. But then they've got Bacchus screening in front of that, and that's very difficult to play against. And I think the important thing for that is that if if you are sitting deep, you need a centre forward who keeps pressure on the defenders and doesn't. Because if the if the defenders have got the time and the space, even at our level, if defenders have got time and space to pick things off, they'll eventually create something. But with Curtis Main, you're just not getting that moment's rest. And between all of that, Kelly were kind of our defenders were constantly being forced, and our defenders aren't very good with the ball to begin with, so they're being forced to make mistakes, and, and therefore it was just really sloppy, and we didn't get opportunities. 
the thing that annoyed me was we we stopped just slinging balls into the box because I think like <laughs> I think it's it's very reductive if you just keep and crosses into the box eventually something will fall when you've got an extra body um, and, and we were trying to play through them a bit too much um, and yeah ultimately Kelly didn't deserve to win the game but would have hoped to win the game but the problem is the same problem we've had all, all season long which is is the centre forward position Scott Robinson's brilliant to have back and, and uh, he's been one of my favourite players in the league for a while and it's, I'm glad he's now with us but Dodge can't move. He, he won a lot of headers as he did against Aberdeen the other night. So it's not that he's offering zero, but the the return of Kyle Lafferty cannot come soon enough. Um, we've signed Kyle Vassell um, from... Well, he's, he's Chucked long, him through a door. Covered in wrapping paper. But um, <laughs> I, he, he wasn't... Obviously, I don't know if clearance hadn't come through because I think it might have been the type of player that we could have done with yesterday. But um don't know what to expect from him. I've, I've seen... Uh, Two, two wonder goals on, I searched his name on Twitter as I do anytime we sign a player I've never heard of and found two wonder goals and him getting involved in a, in a fight, um, which sounds sounds like the sort of player he wants. So, Ideal signing. Um, but well, yeah, we didn't have him, but I think the, the forward situation needs to be sorted out. Honestly, to me, the more I watch some of these players, there's enough about them that I don't think there needs to be drastic changes. I think just one or two bits of quality in the, in the um, window will be enough. And the one thing I like from this team is that there does appear to be a bit more of a, a spine to them. There, there's more... They're still not perfect, and um, but compared to the team that got relegated, there seems to be a bit more of a kind of battle, battling quality to them, and, and there is that in, instinct. Or sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a nastiness at times and there's a kind of cleverness and all the rest of it. Personally, think... We probably won't go down. I'm, I'm a bit more confident after watching certainly the last three games, um, especially the Aberdeen game, where uh, that's the that's it. I guess only if, every time we've got a home game, we're kind of expecting to win now, and we, we beat Aberdeen because you're Hibs. so bad on the road. So bad on the road. Everyone's bad. So bad. But we're we're only looking at yeah. There's only two points we've won away from home, but. Um, Hopefully that will start to change, um, and and I do think I do think we'll probably just win just enough games to pull away from it. But it would help if we were winning games like this for for the opportunity was handed on a plate. Samirin are are in absolutely zero danger of getting relegated, and I think this could be their top six year. But you never say never with them because um, they they find a they find a new and interesting way of not doing it. But yeah, they were um, really good. They've got they've got a manager who's been there and done it lots of times. They've got good experienced players and yeah I, I was quite impressed with them yesterday yeah um, and all that do is I think yeah when taken uh, out of sales that's pretty much your your uh, yeah. your summary because uh, yeah. they were Kelly were I, I had Kelly Aberdeen last week and Kelly were so good in that first half like that's one that's easily the best I've seen them all season so that I guess that's the frustration for yesterday yeah, and it's it's the um the lack of consistency there and, and we there, there's not there's not enough quality in the squad and, and that's that's the biggest problem. I don't think there's a lack of desire. I think there's a massive lack of quality. But we're far from the only team where that is true in Scotland, I think. So hopefully um hopefully that desire will be enough. Um Right, well with that said then we will go uh, we will leave you today. Thank you for joining me, uh, Tom. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining me, Amy. 
Thank you very much. And thanks to all the listeners who've, um, who are continuing to stick with the Terrace podcast through yet another year. Um, we will now be going over to record a Patreon episode where we're going to talk about our, our own personal New Year's resolutions for Scottish football or football-related or things that, um, yeah, for an inspired an inspired Patreon um topic that that was that took a lot of effort to think up um and we will um that that's what your your good good hard-earned money is paying for so please uh, consider signing up if you if you haven't already um patreon.com slash terrace podcast i think it is uh, i should i should know that i don't um you'll find it and uh, if not we will see you on thursday for another episode of, of the terrace podcast so thanks very much and goodbye Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.